This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Big win last night for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Big hit absorbed by Nola Cherry, hearing for Brendan Dillon. Big debut for Jesse Pugliarvi and another shutout for Tristan Jari. The Penguins beat the Winnipeg Jets' fourth loss in a row for Rick Bonus's team. Senior right at the Athletic is our good friend Rob Rossi, who is here to talk about all things Pens in a very confusing at times Metropolitan Division. Rob, how are you today? I'm better than the Metropolitan Division, I can promise you that. <laughs> it is weird. Can, I, 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 I'm so glad you mentioned this because... I look at the Central, I think we all just know, okay, so it's a matter of like who's going to finish first, second, third between Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas. We all know what's happening in the Pacific, and we had a first-round preview last night. I think we look at the Atlantic and say, okay, that's coming into some sharper focus. Maybe there's some wild card sharpening of the pencil here, but the Metropolitan, good luck figuring this one out. What's your sense of it before we drill down to the pens? Oh, boy, I I mean, I don't know. Um, I thought that... The Rangers' strong play over the first three months of the season was maybe more of a... I think the Rangers are a good team, but I, I didn't think they were as good as they were playing. And um, that, I think that's kind of yeah. proven back. Um, you know, Carolina, I think they're built for the regular season, but I still wonder, like, you know, the way they play, I think, makes it tough for them to 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 be able to sort of carry that through for a postseason. I know that's not necessarily the... The question, but I don't know. I mean, I keep saying, well, Philly and Washington, you know, at one point I went from they're not going to keep this up to they're not going to go away. And now I'm like, maybe they are going to go away because of circumstances. Who knows with Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they might be the biggest conundrum in the league, given that, um, you know, uh, you know, but I think they're fourth in the league in goaltending and near the bottom in power play, which nobody would have predicted either one, right? Um, and Crosby's yeah. playing at an MVP level. Uh, I still think the best team in the, the Metro is, is the Devils when they're healthy, but the Devils aren't healthy and they got to get healthy. And I think if they get healthy and play themselves into a position that Tom Fitzgerald, you know, I talked to him the other day, I, I think, I think he will, will be aggressive, but you know, he's got a young team and, and, you know, I, the Devils remind me a little bit of what I thought the Penguins would be in 2007 and 08, which was a team that made the playoffs the year before for the first time with a young group and some transcendent mm-hmm. stars. Then they, you know, I expected that year, the Penguins to sort of slip back. Um, and instead they went to the Stanley cup final, but I think that's the aberration, right? I think the devils are on that more logical, sure. um, you know, so, so I don't know. I, I, I think the Metro is going to shape the trade deadline more than any other division because you can make a case for all every team but one that they're going to get in, that, that, that they could get in. And there's not five teams that are going to get in. That just seems implausible. And if yeah. they are, um, it's going to probably be Carolina and four others. And I guess if you're the Penguins to dial back to them, they have a lot of games in hand and they have a lot of division games left. So, But, you know, you got to win those games. And um they haven't shown that they can consistently put that together. But I saw a stat the other day, Jeff, that, you know, since December something, the Penguins have the second most points behind Carolina. I think Carolina has 30 and the Penguins have 26. Mm. If you look at the standings, it doesn't reflect that. And that's because every team in the Metro has kind of made it impossible for somebody to pull away. It is. Um, maybe I'm oversimplifying it or maybe I'm not. Who knows? Um 
Are the Pittsburgh Penguins a successful power play away from making the playoffs? I.e., Rob, is that all they need to fix here? Like, I, I can't help but thinking it. I'm watching him last night, and Dylan gets the major for the hit on Achari, and they pop in, too. And all I can say to myself is, man, if they had a power play, we would not be talking about the enigmatic Penguins and who are the Pittsburgh Penguins and how, how high can they fly and what's their position going to be in the opening round. Instead, here we are saying, like, are they even going to make it? Like, am I, am I being too overly simplistic? And I know I'm a very simple person by saying if the Penguins had a power play, we wouldn't be having any of these questions. Well, so before I answer that, I want to clarify. Are we going to talk if healthy? Like health, that's the I mean, health is the ultimate health. wild card through. Yeah, health, right, health, right. So health, yeah, health if, is the ultimate wild card if through. They're through healthy. If they're healthy, I think the Penguins are an average power play away from not only making the playoffs but potentially making a run. Their power play has cost them at least twelve to fifteen points this year. Um, by either not being able to help them win games that they ended up, you know, not getting an extra point in in overtime or the shootout or not being able to help. I mean, the Penguins are undefeated. They're the oldest team in the league. They are undefeated in the second half of back-to-back games. They have the fourth best goaltending in the league. They have over the last two months cut down significantly in the odd man rushes that they allow. Um, they are not getting a whole lot of depth scoring, but they're getting more than they did last year. And Evgeny Malkin is, you know, he's kind of been on a, a, a two month sort of roller coaster, but he's finally getting some guys back that are healthy, Riley Smith. And if Riley mm-hmm. Smith sort of can just be a, a semblance of the Riley Smith we've seen in Vegas. And also if, um, you know, Drew O'Connor, who's taken some steps or, or, uh, Jesse P, as I say, because I don't want to ruin his name uh, with, with my my poor pronunciation. Um, uh, you know, I think the Penguins are a really intriguing team. I I have said all along, Jeff, if they're going to get in, they're not going to get in as a wild card. They're going to get in as maybe the third seed. And that if they get in, nobody's yeah. going to want to play them because they're going to have been tested through fire and brimstone this year. But they are an old team. They are an injury to a key player away from being um, like everybody else. But they are better than their record or their point total. If you look at all the underlying metrics, they are they are a they mm-hmm. are a top ten. But that power play is supposed to win them games. That was the design, and it hasn't. And we can get into reasons why it hasn't. But I do think what's interesting to me, you saw this last night. You saw it a little bit before the break. Mike Sullivan, who I think is doing mm-hmm. a great job this year, he's being, making more adjustments than I've, I've seen him make, um, not tactically, but he's been willing to be flexible. Now you have two power play units, and I think the Penguins are kind of finding something there with having Carlson Rust and Malkin be a second power play unit. And I think if they can divorce themselves from the idea that you just load up the power play with the most talent and sort of run it as you have two units and kind of split the time, I think that might be the key to unlocking that power play. There's a there's a couple of things I want to pull out of what you just said. Some some really good points there. Um, One. Uh, oldest team in the NHL, and whenever we're dealing with the oldest team in the NHL, I never assume health, or I never assume health for 82 games. I always my my default position is 
when you're on when you know you know deep up the shady side of that mountain there are going to be injuries and probably injuries uh, to key players like that's just that's just a reality um the other thing is Tristan Jari um to me and again health is the issue there as well um but when he is healthy to me he's he's the wild card like here in, in Canada Rob as I'm sure you know we're obsessed with who's a goaltender going to be for the Four Nations face-off, who's a goaltender going to be for the Olympics. And, you know, we looked at Vegas and Edmonton last night, and we saw Stuart Skinner, and we saw Aiden Hill, and wondered, okay. We watched the St. Louis Blues and Jordan Bennington, and we wonder, okay. It takes a while, and usually people need to be reminded that Tristan Jari's Canadian. And when he's healthy, Tristan Jari is an excellent goaltender. And Tristan Jari just recorded his sixth shutout of the season last night against a very, very good Winnipeg Jets team. Um, is he one of the best, least talked about goaltenders in the NHL? Uh, yes, but the caveat there is um, when Tristan is on top of his game, uh, there aren't many goalies that are better than him. Um but as you said, he's he's had trouble staying healthy. And even this year when he's been healthy, he's had sort of like he can kind of go like five weeks of like really high level play. And then it's almost like he tails off a little bit and then mm-hmm. they kind of need to. Now, here's the thing. Um, they have really strong goaltending depth in Pittsburgh this year. Um, and I think yep. that's critical for two reasons. One, it allows them to sustain an injury to Jari if, if it would happen. And also it allows them as they have at times to not play Jari, not start Jari and sort of ride another goalie, uh, Nijelkovic in this case, Alec Nijelkovic, and not really lose much. And in fact, at times nijelkovic has been the better goalie, but that's allowed Jari to fix his game. You know, the open question on Tristan is always going to be, he hasn't done it in the playoffs. I would argue the sample size is pretty small. But it still, he yeah. hasn't done it. Um, you know, as I like to tell people, Mark Andre Fleury hadn't done it in the playoffs until he did. Um, uh, no goaltender yeah. is no. You don't know anything about a goalie, and like at, at one time, Andre Vasilevsky hadn't done it enough in the playoffs, right? Carey Price hadn't done it mm-hmm. enough in the playoffs, and then one day they end up in a Cup final or win a Cup, and it's like, oh, they're they're a Cup winning goalie. Uh I don't. Yes, Tristan Jari is not being talked about enough, um, but I think there are reasons for that. With regards to sort of who's going to be Canada's goalie, I think you have to put him in the mix. I mean, from talent alone, yep. he, he's up there. And I think I think this yep. the rest of this season and how it goes possibly puts him into the running to maybe win that job. We're heavy on time. Um, Big win last night for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Next in action Friday against the Minnesota Wild. And Rob, I can't for the life of me think of any storylines there at all. Can you? (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, look, it's it's sort of like the whole year the story's been Sydney or or um, uh, yeah, flurry. Uh, I obviously know Mark really well. Um, I know they're doing this celebration. I also know he doesn't want any part of it. I mean, um, he. He he doesn't like playing against the Penguins. He you know he's very tight with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. Um, he's told me I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he just feels like there will be a time to sort of celebrate him, but it's when he's done and he's not done yet. Um, yeah. 
it's a better NHL when he's in it. Uh, I think we're all crossing your fingers. Oh, it is. One more yeah. season. I, I one, more he, season. one more season. I hope he one plays forever, season. Jeff. I hope he plays forever, Jeff. I mean, you I really both. do. We're not, not going to see I, a guy always, like him. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was, I was going to say, like, I, I always say, Rob, like, if, if the NHL had, you know, 32 goaltenders like that in it, what a wonderful league it would be to cover. Uh, I got to hustle. Rob, always appreciate your contributions. Thanks so much for, for coming on today. Much appreciated. As always, sorry for talking too long. No, no, no. That's my job. I, I like to, I like when I have you on. Thorough, thorough answers. Chewy, chewy answers from Rob Rossi, senior writer at The Athletic, uh, coming on talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, there are no better authorities on that team than Rob Rossi. Time now for Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local, Matt Marchese. How is the hit stat, uh, how did the hit stat release hit you? <laughs> I've always, like, the one thing is, and I know we got to be quick, I've always <laughs> thought that the hit stat was never properly done because when you're in a home rink it's like this no. is so inflated <laughs> like this should be a shock to no one yeah <laughs> uh but anyway yes. any markets any any markets uh specifically uh come to mind maddie <laughs> yeah no none none in particular <laughs> um let's look at tonight the lightning at the rangers puck yep. line is rangers minus one yep. and a half the Rangers are 6-1 and one straight up against the Lightning in the last seven games in New York. The under has hit in seven of the last nine between these two. And Kucherov, Point, and Hedman all riding four-game point streaks. Kucherov has 10 points in those four games. I can see Kucherov coming off this all-star break where he was soundly booed yep. for his performance at the skills competition and coming right back and putting up huge numbers just to remind everybody who he is. I think he loved the the role that he played as villain on the weekend at the skills competition and even during the games as well on Saturday. I can see Kucherov coming right back and sticking it in everybody's face around the NHL just how good he is. Two great teams going head-to-head tonight. Uh, Tampa won three in a row before the break. That was Line Change presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook bet local. Mid-season awards time with Craig Wyshynski next. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Just getting some news here as uh, we bring Matt Marchese aboard. Matt, you see the uh, Calgary Flames announcement moments ago? I did not. Hold on. Let me check here. The Calgary Flames are retiring number 34 of Mika Kiprasov. Our our esteemed producer, David Sis, told me that in the break. I didn't know that that's what you were referring to. He He is on the ball. Yes. Yeah, make it one of my favorite goaltenders of all time. I don't know how you felt about Kiprasov. March 2nd in a game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, I just had a quick check. Uh, it would have been perfect if it were against the San Jose Sharks. They play San Jose on April 18th. That is the last game of the season. And also, I believe on the 15th of this month. So that wasn't going to happen. Those are the two times that San Jose's in Calgary. That one would have been perfect because, you know, that was one of the great, that was one of the great heists that the Calgary Flames pulled. You know, they looked at the San Jose Sharks and they had Evgeny Nabokov and Vesa Toskala and Mika Kiprasov was the third 
of that mix. And obviously Daryl Sutter had a uh, an association and a intimate knowledge of those three goaltenders, specifically Kiprasov, and robbed the San Jose Sharks of one of the best goaltenders of uh, of that generation. We think of the Scorpion save, certainly. We think of uh, playoff successes and marches to the uh, to the Stanley Cup final. I, I just I just loved. Kiprasov and, and loved Kiprasov's game. I'm, I'm guessing you were a fan, Maddie, of Mika Kiprasov. I was. Uh, actually, when I was in high school, I had to do a PowerPoint presentation for a business class. How I ended up on the Calgary Flames and their Stanley Cup run in doing this, um, I did. And ah. I remember that run with Mika Kiprasov and thinking, like, the exact same thing. Like, they got this guy for relatively nothing. And he turns into a Vesna Trophy winner. He helps guide them to a, a Stanley Cup final appearance. And I remember him being so he to me, he always looked like a villain. I don't know what it was about Mika Kiprasov, but he always really? looked like a villain to me. Like he always seemed like very stern and very I don't know, there was something about him that just I always thought that he was just this very stern and serious guy, almost villain like looking. And so um but I always had yeah. an appreciation for his game. The, the, the appreciation for his game was so much so that I'll always remember Matt Sundin scoring number 500 on him and thinking, how did he yep. get that past Mika Kiprasov from there? Because Mika Kiprasov doesn't let those the, in. Yeah. He, that was a uh, the signature Matt Sundin goal coming down the wing, cut into the middle, letting the big shot go, which is why many people always said that, hmm, I wonder if Matt Sundin was miscast as a center. Maybe he should have been a power forward and a winger. Uh, nonetheless, a discussion for some other time. Um, yeah, that was against Kiprasov, and yeah. that was uh, that was a hell of a on, shot by on, Sundin on Kiprasov uh, too, Jeff. Before we, if if you were going to move on, I just wanted yeah. to add one thing. He felt like he was kind of the start of the the Finnish goaltending fact. Remember, there was the t- everybody you go through like you know the Quebec goalie factory, and then you go the Swedish goalie factory, yeah. and then you have the Finnish goalie factory. Yeah. It feels like he was the first guy that was really at the forefront of that. And then we saw Pecorine after that and Nicholas Backstrom. Um, I just thought that that was, you know, he was kind of at the forefront of the, the Finnish goalie factory when that started. So there was, um, if we're going to go back in, into history for that, like in the late 70s, early 80s. Oh, God, I feel like I'm teaching history class here. Okay, so in the late 70s, early 80s, that was really, in a lot of ways, the first wave of European goaltenders uh, in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs had Yuri Sira, who was Czech. Um, the Colorado Rockies Hardy had Astrum. Hardy Astrom, mm-hmm. who was a much, much better goaltender than history has allowed <laughs> us to admit. Um, and Marcus Matson was the Finn. Like there was the Czech, there was a Swede, and there was the Finn. Now Pelly Lindbergh came after and was gonna, you know, poised to be the best of the bunch and was the best of the bunch and probably had the talent to go on to a to a hockey hall of fame career. Unfortunately, uh, his life was was cut short, as we all know, with a drinking and driving accident that claimed his life. Uh, but nonetheless, that was the NHL sort of first, you know, dipping their toe in the European goalie market. Um and it and it really went nowhere like Sierra didn't work out Marcus Matson didn't work out Hardy Astrum uh didn't work out and then he was dogged by Don Cherry every chance he got just ravaging uh the poor guy even though he wasn't that bad of a netminder at all he wasn't that bad Maddie Hardy Astrum wasn't bad at all um and then like the uh the the the, the Finnish factory you know we used to always rave about Mika Kiprasov and one of the things that I always I mean, coming out of the lockout of 0405, we had to sort of, you know, really measure off, you know, dollar for dollar what a player is worth and, and how the teams are, are constructed. Um, he was 
the first, I believe, someone's going to correct me if I'm wrong. I know it. That's what Twitter X exists for. He was the first to have that successful back diving deal. Now, players never admit it that final year or the final two years of their career where the salary just falls off the map and all of a sudden the player's not playing anymore uh, in order to keep the AAV down. But he had that $35 million deal with the Calgary Flames uh, that peaked early uh, with a base salary of 8.5 and then whittled down a couple of years at seven and then a $6 million year and then a $5 million year. And then in the final season of the contract, the contract dropped to 1.5 and yeah, 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 Mika Kiprasov wasn't playing. And then afterwards, uh, Kiprasov, you know, went on to admit it that, you know, essentially, yeah, we circumvented the cap. Like that was always <laughs> the agreement. I wasn't going to play that last year. I just, I just love when I just love like interviewing European hockey players <laughs> about things like salary caps and their contracts. Like Kiprasov wasn't shy. I was saying, oh yeah, that was a deal. I worked out with Daryl. Like uh, we, uh, we, we threw the 1.5 at the end to flatten out the AAV. And yeah, there was no way I was going to play in that season. I believe that's referred to as cap circumvention. But hey, what's a little cap circumvention amongst friends, Matty Marchese? What's a little cap circumvention we, amongst we friends? Call that, Anyhow, we call that Robida Island now. Robida Island's another one that's going for Stefan Robida, certainly with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Lou found that island somewhere. Uh, okay, so the, uh, the headline story coming off of last night. Your thoughts on what we saw with the Edmonton Oilers and their streak coming to an end in a game that... You know, they probably played well enough to win. The problem was Aiden Hill of the Vegas Golden Knights was fantastic. And then I'm not sure how much of the third you watched, but that was a playoff period. That was, okay, this is what these two teams are going to look like in the playoffs. Yeah, and for it to happen, like, these are still kind of the dog days, right? Like, when you get into, you know, late January, early February, these games are like, yeah, they may play each other, but it's not going to be one for the history books. Whereas last night, I think what we saw was um, we saw two goalies who are, you know, at certain points of their career were not expected to be this good. And, you know, Stuart Skinner has had, you know, he had his struggles early in his career and he certainly played up to expectations and beyond, um, especially over the last few months. But Aiden Hill is another guy like this guy comes into Vegas. He was an afterthought. Um, He was part of a a goaltending group in Arizona that was Darcy Kemper, Antti Ranta, Ivan Prosvitov and, and himself. Like, four of those guys were all on the same team. Uh, unfortunately for Arizona, they didn't keep the right one, although Connor Ingram has been really good. But anyway, he came from somewhere else. But point being is that I think it was it's a game that if you had looked at that at the beginning of the season, you would have said, you know, potential for high scoring. Um, yes, the, the Vegas Golden Knights can defend, but they can also score with the best of them because they have so much depth. And it's a 3-1 hockey game. And it's if you had said at the beginning of the year, a 3-1 hockey game between Vegas and Edmonton, you would have said, well, that game probably kind of sucks. But it didn't. And that's where the evolution of these teams have come for Edmonton, the way they defend and for Vegas to play without Jack Eichel. Again, again, another storyline for Vegas playing without a star and they still continue to play well because they have so much depth. They defend well. And when Aiden Hill is healthy, he has proven that he is one of the better goaltenders in the league. Okay, you mentioned the Arizona Coyotes there a couple of seconds ago. Mm -hmm. I got to pick up on something here. Have you noticed... Have you noticed how many goaltenders have gone through Arizona and come out top of their game? Yeah. It's, a, it's you, know, you just mentioned Aiden Hill a second ago. Darcy Kemper. You can throw Darcy Kemper. 
into that mix. There's a number of goaltenders, you know, right now, um, we have a look at Connor Ingram. Like there have been a lot of goaltenders that have gone through the Arizona Coyotes system and come out and all of a sudden, bam, these guys are really good starters in the NHL. At some point on this show, we should really have a conversation about Corey Schwab. Yeah. Who is and what he's been able to do. I know I know the Arizona story always focuses on you. Are they going to Salt Lake City? Are they going here? Like what's happening? But Corey Schwab's a great story that is sitting there. Yeah. Sitting right there. Hundred hundred percent marvelous job with goal with goaltenders. Yeah, and this you That's, know we gotta we gotta get we gotta get that conversation here on the show. Yeah, for sure. I mean goalie coaches in general don't get a lot of um credit. On this show they get more credit than on others because we love our goalies. Um, but I, I would agree with that. By the way, I did need to bring something up because you asked Elliot the question yesterday about Jonathan Quick. Okay. And he is going to start <laughs> tonight. And, you know, Vince Mercogliano, our buddy who who joins this on the show regularly, he said, like, you know, yeah. Igor Shosturkin is going to get extra work with Benoit Lair, And that was what Peter Laviolette had said. And he said that is the closest thing that they have come to in admitting that Igor Shosturkin is really struggling internally here, and we've seen it in his play. Um, I, I mean, people will call you crazy, but the way Jonathan Quick is playing right now, that's the guy that they are more comfortable in the between the pipes right now. As we all predicted. Yes, of course. As we all said, what happened? Jonathan Quick, at this stage of his career, is going to supplant Igor Shosturkin for the number one goaltending spot in the smaller market of New York. Quick's been a tremendous story. 100%. Quick's been phenomenal. Like, Quick quick at this point in his career, uh, maybe even he thought, okay, you know, I'm going to try to extend this and get one more one more contract out of the game and then maybe ride off into the sunset. But do you not get the feeling now that if you're Jonathan Quick, you're saying like, okay, let's talk about contract extension here. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, not that he's quote-unquote saved the season, like Alex Lyons saved the season last year for the Florida Panthers. But you're right. Like, it does seem very much like this Rangers team is much more comfortable playing in front of Jonathan Quick than they are with Igor Shosturkin. Now, I still think Shosturkin has the potential, once again, to be one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, period. Not that far removed from the Vesna Trophy and conversations about the MVP Hart Trophy. Thank you very much. But right now, this feels like Jonathan Quick's net. It feels like he's the top dog in New York. I'm yeah. with you. I, I don't know how he's not. And, you know, you talk about he didn't save the season, but you do have to wonder what the season would have looked like had they not had Jonathan Quick playing at this incredible level. We'd be having an entirely different yeah. conversation about the the Rangers would be in the same conversation as the Carolina Hurricanes and the Philadelphia Flyers and the New Jersey Devils and the Pittsburgh Penguins. That they're just lumped in with everybody except the Columbus Blue Jackets in the Metropolitan Division. That's the conversation we would yeah. be having had Jonathan Quick not come to New York and not had the same success. Also, uh, can we give a shout-out to Benoit Allaire for, you know, maybe finding something in his game? Uh, we saw this We saw mm-hmm. this last year in New York as well. Shesterkin didn't have a great year, but they managed to get by, mm-hmm. and it wasn't because they're scoring at an incredible pace either. So I think Benoit Allaire yeah. deserves a lot of credit here too. 
What, one more thing on goaltenders. We're getting heavy on time. We always finish up talking about goalies. Um, Tristan Jari was excellent, excellent last night for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. That is true. But maybe the best goaltending performance we saw in that Dallas-Buffalo game. Jake Ottinger, 47 saves. You know, we wondered about, you know, anyone going to get the all-star bump? And is what's the all-star bump going to mean for Igor Shosturkin, who was really good as well? Maybe it's Ottinger. Yeah. I mean, not exactly. There haven't been questions about Ottinger. And again, last night, again, I don't want It is the Buffalo Sabres. I'll just say it's the Buffalo Sabres. We all know how the season has gone, but 47 saves. That wasn't. And Buffalo played good last night. You got to hand it to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Now, they were going for three wins in a row coming off the All-Star break. They could have had it, but Jake Ottinger, Jake Ottinger last night beat the Buffalo it's Sabres. It's going to be dependent on how many games respect. he plays this year, Jeff. I know. How many games can Scott Wedgwood play is another one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, our thank yous uh, to the aforementioned Matt Marchese. A thank you to Greg Wyshynski, Rob Rossi, and Elliot Friedman. Our producer is David Siss. Our board op is Lance Kennedy. Our TV director is the great Frank Baraska. Thank you very much, gentlemen. The program back on the air in 22 hours. Merrick show continues. Only a couple of games on the board this evening. Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. The Toronto Maple Leafs against Ottinger's team, the Dallas Stars. Enjoy. Back tomorrow.